Hello, and welcome to the Professional Outsider Podcast. I'm Megan Herndon. On this show, we discuss leadership strategies, the handoff of leadership to the next generation, and a whole lot more. We have a quick message to all of our listeners before we get started today. Do you have a question for the Professional Outsider? Is there a topic you would like to have covered on our show? If so, send us an email at info at route2results.com or shoot Randy a tweet at at Randy Beck. That's at R-A-N-D-Y-B-O-E-K. We'd love to hear from you. Hey, Randy. It's good to be recording here today at the Seattle Film Institute. Today, we're going to be talking about being an outsider inside, and that's one of your um, philosophies in business and in leadership. So first, to start us off today, can you just tell me what it means to be an outsider inside? So let me start by defining what an means to be an outsider. Right. And as you know, I go by the moniker, the outsider. <laughs> and what I am is a person who sees, says, and does what people inside companies can't or won't. And I do that to improve leadership effectiveness, to make it easier and more satisfying to be a leader and to achieve better business results. And I do that in partnership with senior executives, generally C-level executives who want their business and the functioning of their leaders to be different at some point in the future than it is right now. Mm -hmm. So what I've learned over the years is there are some things that I do that I wish I had done when I was an insider in companies. You know, the first 15 years of my career, I was on the corporate ladder Mm -hmm. in multiple Fortune 500 companies. And I, uh, I at times thought like an outsider, but I really... The longer I was with the company, became more of an insider, which at times negatively impacted my value to the company and negatively impacted my value to myself and my career. Mm -hmm. So what I'm advocating when I say be an outsider inside is um, there are some aspects of being an outsider that if you maintain them, build and develop them, you are more valuable to your business when you're inside you're more valuable to yourself because you own your career deliberately, even though you may be working inside. And so let's break down just an outsider a little bit more. So how can an outsider benefit your team? Well, this this puts me in uh, the point of making a, a commercial. <laughs> well, I think, and I think, you know, as I said before, part of it is because an outsider sees things mm-hmm. that people inside tend to not see. Uh, an outsider can say things that an insider can't. I can say things to a CEO that a subordinate inside a business generally wouldn't have the courage to say Mm -hmm. and could be in hot water if they did say some things that there's just no polite way to say them. And uh, I, I can do that because I'm an outsider and people expect me to do that. When I get retained by a senior executive, they expect me to hold a mirror up. That's part of what I do. Mm -hmm. Um, that's not necessarily something that is easy for an insider to do. Uh, I can also do things that an outs- uh, an insider really can't because of politics in the organization, mm-hmm. because of uh, um, turf in organizations right. and other things like that. I can cross turf lines. You know, I can go wherever I want to uh, because my task isn't bound by the politics of the organization. 
Mm -hmm. And I think something that benefits what you were saying, being an outsider, you have different experiences. You bring something different to the table when you're coming into a new company. Um, And to do that, I think sometimes you need to do some learning outside of where you are every day, you know, whether you're being an outsider inside of a company in your day-to-day work, or if it's you being the outsider coming in. Um, How can you continue to learn, you know, from different perspectives and learn new ideas? And what are some ways you can make continuing education a priority on top of all of your other responsibilities? Let's redefine learning and education first. There's a tendency to think that learning and education results in a degree, Mm -hmm. you know, an undergraduate degree, a graduate degree, because that's a certification that you supposedly have learned something. And uh, if you're an engineer, a doctor, a lawyer, a nurse, an accountant, multiple other professions, that's a credential you have to have to get in the door. And it signifies that you probably know a fair amount about what's expected to be known within that particular discipline. It's a certification that you know something in the discipline. Um, Once you become a leader in an organization, your job changes. Mm -hmm. You move from being a doer to a person that maximizes the doing of others. That requires a different learning set. And the ability to say, yes, I was an outstanding doctor and I became the medical director because I was such a good, whatever kind of doctor I was, now I've got to learn to be a good leader. And not that I'm automatically a good leader because I was a great physician, you know, a straight A student, 4.0 from the time I was in high school. Mm -hmm. That doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be a good leader. So the willingness to recognize that the responsibility and the work has changed and to get the learning that's necessary to do it well may not mean going back to a classroom. Mm -hmm. Now, you gave me the opportunity to do a commercial, and I'll say it may (laughs) mean hiring somebody like a professional outsider to teach you how to be a leader Mm -hmm. and to mentor you in actually learning new skills and practicing them. Um, Let's talk a little bit more about learning and education. Mm -hmm. There are more good books written than you could possibly read in a lifetime. And there's more coming out every year. There's, I forget how many there is. I searched Amazon one time for how many books there are about communication. Mm-hmm. Thousands of them. <laughs> Leadership, same thing. Some of them are good. Some of them are awful. So, you know, I think there's a combination about of doing some reading, but doing some research first to find out what you should read. Mm-hmm. I think there's also learning from others who are successful leaders. And um, once again, an opportunity to do a commercial for my business. You know, I've been a successful leader in multiple businesses, and I still devote a day a week to learning. Friday for me is focused on learning or occasionally going on a motorcycle ride and skiing. But <laughs> a little bit of both. I really, did, I, I really am focused on learning every week. You know, I read all the time. I think the other thing that we learn from is travel. Mm-hmm. And we're at a time in business now where diversity is critical. And I, and I don't mean EEOC diversity. And I don't mean the right balance of gender, the right balance of race necessarily, but I mean access to diverse thinkers. Mm-hmm. You know, companies are, are really looking to understand how they can be global companies. Even small businesses are trying to think, how can I access the growing global markets in these super high population countries. Mm -hmm. Well, we need diverse thinking to be able to do that. 
we need people that don't think like us. Mm-hmm. So one of the great values that being an outsider inside, if you're on the payroll, can bring is by not buying into groupthink, being somebody that has a broader perspective, being deliberate about building a broader perspective that gives you a, pers- a, a view of the world that's different mm-hmm. than your colleagues inside may have. That's super high value. Well, it's super high value only if people can hear it. Right. So you really have to also develop the interpersonal skills to have the relationships inside so people can listen to your diverse thinking and not just see you as a a, a disturbance, an annoyance, a um, devil's advocate all the time. Mm -hmm. And you spoke a bit about reading and traveling. after I graduated college, I was lucky enough to go work in Indonesia for a couple months in Jakarta as a journalist. Um, and I've looked for other opportunities to do that, but they're kind of few and far between where you can kind of just drop everything and leave the country or spend a whole day reading and learning. How can you make time for these sorts of things and these outside of the classroom learning experiences? I, I think you have to be deliberate. Mm-hmm. And I think another thing that people have to be deliberate about and I would suggest at a fairly young age, you know, and out of college is a good time if you haven't done it before. And that is to really be deliberate about thinking about what's the life you want to live. Mm-hmm. You know, what would be your ideal life? And you may say, well, you know, I want to be able to travel for two months a year. You know, and I want to uh, be an, uh, I want to be international. Mm-hmm. I want to be a global leader. You know, I want to be a citizen of the world. And part of that entails opportunities to travel a lot. Well, then you try to build a career that allows that. Mm-hmm. And too often the mistake people made, and I think it's a great time now because there's so many unique ways of working in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, freelancers are all over the place now because people want to have a life that's different than an eight to five or a, a six to nine mm-hmm. kind of job that many people have in straight jobs in the corporate world. And I'm not I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. For some people, the life some people desire, it's perfect. But if you want the kind of life that doesn't fit there, you do a disservice to yourself and really a disservice to the employer if you shoehorn yourself into something that doesn't move you towards living the life you want to lead. And that doesn't mean at a given point in time you don't take a job because you have to eat. Mm-hmm. But it does mean that it has to move you in the direction you want to go. So part of being an outsider inside is owning your career and maintaining the connections and the knowledge base that allows you to be so good at something so in demand at something that you can kind of cut your own deal. And tell me a bit more about owning your own career. So people join corporations for mm-hmm. a variety of reasons, and it's a good thing. You know, I I could not do the work I've been doing for the last 25 years if I hadn't spent 15 years being a leader in an organization so that I could understand what the world is mm-hmm. of people who are leaders in organizations. You know, if I had never had PL responsibility, if I had never had people reporting to me, I couldn't do the work of the consultant that I do now. So that's all good learning. And it helped me to be able to do something that I ultimately did. But I think owning your career is having clarity around what the career is and staying on the cutting edge of knowledge. Mm -hmm. that's necessary to be a go-to person 
in your career. And part of that is maintaining your professional network. That's a whole lot easier to do now with LinkedIn and social media. Absolutely. Uh, part of it is even though you're in a corporation, in a straight job as a leader in a corporation, you can still be a subject matter expert on something. You can still be a thought leader. Let's say you're a supply chain executive in a company. You can be the thought leader on supply chain issues. It's hard work, but the tendency is to be so busy in your job in the corporation that you're just trying to keep your nose above water and maintaining your career, you know, going to the regular meetings of the uh, Supply Chain Leaders Association Mm -hmm. falls by the wayside. Young children, mortgage, you know, family commitments, sick parents, all these things that make up a life tend to put what isn't absolutely essential on the back burner. Mm -hmm. And I'm saying sometimes we have to step back and say, wait a minute, things are out of whack and they've been out of whack for way too long. I need to readjust how I'm allocating my time. I need to readjust how I'm allocating my energy. I need to continue to provide value that I get paid to provide in my company, but maybe I have to have a chat with my boss about how things are going and how I would like them to be going and ask for some help in making that happen. Mm -hmm. And talking about, you know, traveling and owning your career, say, you know, you take some time off to travel, you take that job that you need to pay the bills for right now to do something more later on. What are some ways to make the most of those experiences and turn those gaps into your resume kind of selling points or why a company should give you an opportunity? I think a part of it is to have an open mind for experiences. Mm -hmm. You know, to hop, hop on the train in another country not sure how to navigate mm-hmm. where you're going and not sure how you're going to get back. Uh, if we put ourselves out there and don't have rigidly planned itinerary, we get access to adventures. And adventures have a lot of learning associated with them. Mm-hmm. And I'll say that being scared has learning associated with it too. And I'm not advocating somebody doing something stupid and getting themselves killed. Uh, But I am saying that there are circumstances that we learn from that have a lot of adrenaline associated with them sometimes. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to plan those. Yeah, you can plan to go to Costa Rica and do a zip line. You know, you can plan to deliberately be on a dangerous road. You know, you can plan to drive an automobile 200 miles an hour in some places in the world. All those things you can plan and you can do. And you can plan an adventure to a third world country. But if you too tightly and rigidly plan that adventure to a third world country to keep yourself safe, you may miss some significant miss out. learning. Absolutely. Now, on the safer side, you can you can plan National Geographic trip. Mm-hmm. You know, REI does some great adventure trips to very unique places. So, you know, you have to decide what level of adventure you're comfortable with deliberately, but then be open to what happens also. Mm -hmm. And to finish up today, we've talked about being an outsider inside and owning your career. You talked about a couple different ways of, you know, making sure you continue to learn are reading books and traveling. Can you tell me one book that everybody you think they should read and why, and also just share an adventure from a travel story? Ah, let's see. I, um, 
The book I'm reading right now, I, I'm a fan of Thomas Friedman. You mm-hmm. know, he wrote Lexus and the Olive Tree. He wrote The World is Flat. And uh, the current one I'm reading is Thank You for Being Late. So I'm a fan of him. You know, he, he talks about the future. You know, he's always thinking about, you know, how the past connects with the future and what things are going on that we need to be aware of. And is there a, a travel story you'd like to share about an experience you learned or really valued? Oh, well, this is a this is not a big high risk one, but it's mm-hmm. kind of a funny one. <laughs> so we had a client event on the Amalfi Coast a couple years ago. And where is that? It's uh, southern Italy. Okay. And it wasn't on the Amalfi Coast, but it was very near there. Mm-hmm. So my wife came with me, and my partner and his wife came, and we uh, after the event was over, we took a week and toured the Amalfi Coast. Oh wow! Well, my brother in law is Italian, and um, him. The, my Italian clients that I was working with, everybody says, don't drive on the Amalfi Coast. You know, you just you just shouldn't do it. It's too dangerous. You know, because you've got these roads that are carved into the hillside. Mm. They're tourist buses coming all the way, uh, you know, all down the road all the time. And there's hardly wide enough for a car and a tourist bus. Sometimes cars have to back up for mm, a mile wow. so the tourist bus can get by because there's really sharp turns. Right. And, you know, you've got, you've got um, these uh, buildings that are on one side with very narrow walkways. And on the other side, you've got a uh, rock, um, like a half, uh, not even a half wall, like a rock retaining barrier and then sheer cliffs. Mm-hmm. And I love cars. And I said, no, I'm going to rent an Alpha and we're going to drive the Amalfi Coast. And um, my wife uh thinks I'm not a very good driver, (laughs) but she knew once I was determined to do that, that that's what was going to happen. So she eventually was all in. And uh, my partner, Richard, his wife, Christy, there's a picture we have of her. And it's a circumstance, I forget where we were on the coast, but where there's this tour bus. And we are like an inch and a half away from this building Mm -hmm. that has a rock face on the passenger side. And this, we're having to position way up on the sidewalk. People couldn't walk by. And it's on this turn where a bus is trying, tourist bus oh is gosh. trying to come by. And he's inching by and inching by. And I could have stuck my tongue out the window and scraped the side of the bus. And as he was inching by, the whole side of the bus is all scarred up. Uh-huh. So you can see that, you know, he's it had other, be the first other mishaps. And uh, Richard's wife, Christy, is got this, his, her eyes are big, her mouth is wide open. And I've got a picture of her, and it's just, it's just wonderful <laughs> and funny. But long story short, we had a ball driving on the Amalfi Coast. It was challenging. There were multiple times when we had to back up. There were times when we were on the cliff side mm-hmm. and right against the retaining wall mm. to let a bus go by and still needed to move over a little more and had to back up. It was just um, probably not life-risking, but it was a challenge to my driving ability. Mm-hmm. And it was just fun. And I ignored what everybody had said and did what I wasn't supposed to do and was really glad that I did. Let me issue a caution. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't want people to create a train wreck for themselves in their companies. So I'm not suggesting that you read a book and go to your boss and tell them they're full of it mm-hmm. and that they're <laughs> taking the company in the wrong direction. What I am suggesting is that everybody be very deliberate about developing a bigger perspective than that which exists in their company, Mm -hmm. in their job. And that, 
I won't say it's as important as doing your job because you have to feed your family, but I will say for your career, for your value to your company, for your value to yourself, having a bigger perspective than the conventional wisdom that exists inside your business is highly valuable. Thanks again for your thoughts today, Randy. And thanks to all of you out there listening to our show. If you liked this episode, be sure to subscribe to our podcast, share it on social media, and tell your friends about it. If you're interested in bringing the professional outsider to your workplace, learn more at www.route2results.com.